everybody, and welcome to another episode of Book Goodies Podcast with Authors. Uh, I'm your host, Deborah Carney, and I have with me um, a special guest today. His name is Damon. Damon, how are you? I'm doing very well today, Deborah. Thanks. Uh, why don't you introduce yourself to the people, tell them who you are and what you do. All right, uh, my name is Damon Farrell Marbot. I live and work in New Orleans, Louisiana, and I guess we're here today to discuss my debut novel release. It's a literary fiction coming-of-age novel called Awake in the Mad World. Um, we can go in any direction you would like, Deborah. <laughs> you <laughs> in control. All right. Well, why don't you tell people, before we get started talking about your current book, how did you get interested in, in writing? When did you start writing? Okay. Um, well, I started writing, actually, as a, as a child. You know, when, when, when I've met a lot of people, especially in graduate school, uh, I have a master's in creative writing and literature, so I know a lot of other writers. A lot of people say they, they wrote since they were a kid, that's all they've ever known. Mm-hmm. And uh, at the risk of, of sounding kind of cliche, it's actually pretty true. Because um, I used to run around with folders and notepads with, uh, with, with on me at all times. My uh, my godmother was the school librarian at one of the schools I went to, so I was, I was you know, some people would try to sneak out of class to go kind of goof off or sneak <laughs> into the gym or, or something and I was always hiding out in the library and nice and uh, that kind of you know progressed into uh, an adult behavior where I was you know even in business school for my undergrad degree I was sneaking poems and short stories under the office doors of some of the English department uh, professors so oh, that must be fun uh, yeah, I mean, I, I was ignoring signs that I needed to be studying that all along. So when I finished business school, it was, it was kind of the right move to walk into uh, my master's in, in writing. And that first semester or two was a lot of catch up, but I, I kind of came into my own after that first year. Okay. Well, and it's really interesting because I've, um, because since I'm mostly a photographer and um, my so- I have a son that did a lot of writing when he was young. And I have his books that I'm editing and, and putting out there for publication because back when he was writing them, there weren't, you know, Create Space didn't exist and um, right. Kindle and all that. And um, when I started telling people that I was publishing fiction books from my son and I was publishing photography books for myself, it's like all of a sudden all these people came out of the woodwork. And my grandson, who's 12, um, said he had had some ideas for some books, and he was going to write one. And when I put that out there in the Internet and in person talking to people, all of a sudden people started telling me stories. Like another friend said, my 12-year-old came up to me before I left for this conference and said, hey, Dad, is it okay if I build an iPad application? 12 years old. And he goes, what do you need an iPhone application for? And he goes, well, I'm working on a book. And he had never mentioned this to his dad before. And what it was is he was actually interviewing people who they live in a very eclectic section of San Francisco. And he was interviewing people and talking about how they, you know, what their view of San Fran was, how, you know, how much they loved living there, what are things they had done while they had been there. 
And all of a sudden, like four or five other people all of a sudden popped up with, you know, I'd be on a Skype call with somebody and I'm on speaker and I'd say something about Alec writing a book and in the background I'd hear a 12-year-old pop up and say, yeah, I'm writing a book too, Dad. And Dad would go, what, huh? Can you bring me this? <laughs> Can I see it? So a lot of, um, you know, like you said, a lot of people start young, but I think a lot of people get squashed when they're young and they, you know, oh, like you, you got to go do your homework instead. You know, right. that's just silliness over there. So yeah, a lot of people, a lot of people give up before they even realize that they were they were putting in an effort in it too. You know, I was. I was always encouraged by, you know, my teachers and my family, so it kind of stayed constant in my life. Um, so I was kind of fortunate in that regard. It was, you know, my family would always say, oh, keep writing, don't ever stop, but make sure you're doing this other stuff too. Yeah. And um, and so that was kind of the thing that I always knew that I, I had to hang on to. If, you know, if, I, if we switched schools or if we moved to a different city through my dad's work or something, you know, I always had that. So that was kind of a, that was kind of a survival thing for me to kind of – feel like I was staying focused as I was growing up. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, I understand that completely. And how much of the stuff you wrote when you you were younger, do you actually still base stories off of, or do you have it sitting somewhere that maybe you you would finish it, or did you actually finish any of it and and um, self-publish or publish it? Well, that's, that's really an interesting question, I think, because I... I never really looked at myself, even as a kid, uh, as though I were I were experiencing a childhood. I always kind of felt like an adult because right. my, you know. So when when I look back at my childhood, I just kind of think of places I lived and schools I went to. But um, I I think I tried once in in my second attempt at kind of a full length novel when I in my first year of graduate school. But I ultimately ended up just realizing it was a practice and developing my craft and it was a book I wasn't going to keep but I kind of did try to stretch back into my childhood and it was it just it it didn't work it wasn't something that you know maybe if I get pinned down and have to do a memoir one day or or talk more about my childhood that I could find something but the stuff that I produced back then was you know basically just kind of you know I I just look at it as exercises to you know I I wouldn't know what to do with it yeah, it was the raw stuff coming out, just letting you know that you were creative inside and um, letting you spew out the first stuff, do your free writing and everything before you hit the age where you actually hit to produce by writing or learn a process. Oh, yeah, it was just a you know, creative, I mean, you know, my childhood was really creative. So my siblings and I would write, write plays and put them on for our parents. And, and uh, so we were just kind of doing anything to just kind of live in our imaginations and share them together and with other mm-hmm. people so yeah I don't, I don't think I, I really started producing anything that I thought was um, that, that could be shared more on a more universal level until probably graduate school so okay all right um, now take us back to your current project um, tell us about that book and what it's about okay uh, Awake in the Mad World is uh, it is Hard to explain. The first book I chose to, <laughs> to kind of set the tone for my authorship, I, I, I realized it had the most important value to me as a writer. So um, it's about a group of postgraduate friends that are kind of struggling to figure themselves out, you know, when they you know, first experience that jolt of, of leaving college for uh, whatever the real world is, is, um, is, is to them. And uh, 
they kind of seem to have a hard time seeing it as welcoming. So it's it's about okay. uh, maintaining your friendships and learning how to maintain also that that spark and that spirit of of of, of faith and and your own abilities as they're developing and and um it, it's it's interesting I think because it it was really realistic um, an interpretation of what my friends went through in graduate school. And, you know, there was this constant debate going on about do we go on to more graduate school or do we go out in the real world and just find, you know, a job that allows us to still write. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's the book, you know, the, the main characters in the book are all uh, developing writers and they're, they're not all the time, but they do engage uh, memorably enough in these athletic philosophical conversations that are about a world that they only kind of seem to understand in their, their secret language. So it's. It's it's about friendship for sure, but it's it's definitely a coming of age story about um, discovering yourself and and um, yeah, I'm really really proud of the message that it that it's that it presents to the reader. It wasn't my intention when I was writing it. I I more or less was just trying to stay true to my commitment with the characters, and mm-hmm. that turned out to to be something I'm very proud of. Nice. And when you first started it, you had. Did you have like a whole outline in your head, or did you say, "This is what I want to write about"? We'll see what happens. Actually, I I was uh, I was working on another book at the time, and I just started writing this just as kind of an exercise, like mm-hmm. we were discussing earlier. And I got maybe a third of of what the book is now finished, and then I didn't touch it again for about three years or so. Mm-hmm. And I I found it just scrolling through some files on my laptop and started reading it when I had a couple of days off from work and fell in love with the characters and the energy of the book and realized that I wanted to take it on seriously. Mm-hmm. And I, I actually quit a job so I could, I could work. I, I took a job as a full-time night auditor at a hotel so oh, I could have to access to their printers and a lot of downtime and, and actually get, drafts of it produced so I could edit them by hand and nice so I took a big pay cut from a management job that I had to be able to uh, to, to finish the book and it paid off in the end or is it still uh, in process yeah it, <laughs> it certainly did pay off I okay, think so great um, well and that's important to know because a lot of people start part-time and then there are a lot of those aha moments where you realize you either have to commit to doing this or you have to give it up because it's taking over and you know you you need to get the story out and if you can't do that part-time without destroying your family because between work and writing they never get to see you um, right. You know, you come to the realization that you need to put some more time into this, and you know, take a hiatus from the job that you weren't meant to do long term anyway. Right. And if it's if the if the creative work you're doing is important enough to you, and you do see it as work, then uh, the people around you that that love you will um, will support that and, and see it as work as well. And you can learn to make time for it. I am. Um, I've been really fortunate because you know my friends and family have have always just kind of gotten out of the way of that. And um, I mean, they knew since I was a kid that I was always that that type of person that liked mm-hmm. to stay a little removed from the group, so I could kind of observe everything that was going on. So mm-hmm. I've been very fortunate in that regard. Well, and there's another good point that you bring up. A lot of writers are very good people watchers. They're very good at observing situations and then 
translating them into book form, whether it's a fantasy or uh, whether it's a, a novel that is supposed to depict, you know, modern times or whether they put the characters back in, you know, medieval times. You, you right. get a lot from people. I've always told people, I've started to tell people that if you ever have a mental block or a writer's block, come to New York City, get on the subway, and just ride around for a while. <laughs> Yeah, New York you, certainly got a lot of characters. You will you will see enough characters and enough interesting things that will stock you full of stories for the next ten years. So that's completely true. And, and if you if you find the right environment, you know, regardless of the city you're in, mm-hmm. you you don't have to make anything up. You just need to write it truthfully and, and yeah. write it well. Um, yeah, so that's a good point. Yeah, just sit down in a park. <laughs> I'm fortunate to live close enough to Manhattan that, you know, if I ever did hit a dry spell, all I would have to do is go sit in Central Park and just watch people. Yeah. I mean, you could walk outside, yeah. We went to a Central Park like on a Wednesday and in the course of 5 minutes we saw like two wedding parties walk by. There was a sex guy playing the saxophone in a tunnel. I mean, you know, all kinds of stuff going on. And yeah, we get a lot of that in New Orleans too. That's, yeah, of course, you got, you're surrounded by the musicians, and it's it's a city that supports creativity very well because um, you've got music and you've got writing and you've got writers and that do readings and you know, do you do a lot of readings of your books? I know you said before uh, we started talking that you were hoping to to try to do some. Yeah, I, I live uh, uptown near Tulane University and, and Audubon Park and the zoo, and uh, we, we have some, some really, really cool little uh, independent bookstores, and there's some more in the, the lower garden district as well. Um, so, yeah, I've, I've actually, since I was in Atlanta for most of June, and I came back and I, I visited some of the stores, so I'm waiting for a couple of them to um, finish reading the copies I dropped off, and and um and we'll go from there because I you know we have the the semester about to start back up with Tulane so I think it'd be nice to have okay. an event like that for for students. Yeah, to kind of get their energy level up to see someone that went through the program and you know succeed you know is now succeeding to to be able to Right. And that's the focus of my blog as well cuz I I'm trying to reach out to to you know more specifically it's it's to be referred to as a writers workshop online but I'm, you know, I'm reaching out to young authors and young writers, trying to trying to enter that conversation about writing and publishing, and because uh, publishing is not what publishing now is not what it was when I was growing up, and yep. it took me a while to get to the point where I could I could get over that hump because I was so in love with that traditional publishing model of, of the past. But mm-hmm. now I, I'm fully engaged in in the new publishing world, and my blog is kind of hoping to reach out to. Students and um, you know, like grad students and undergrads and and people that that are just in their you know their first stages of, of learning how to put their work out there okay. um, to kind of have a dialogue about it um, because I do feel like I am a resource right now for all the work that I've been uh, putting into it as well. So you are you're indie publishing or you went with a small publishing house? I don't remember. Uh, I actually published through CreateSpace. Oh, okay, perfect. So, yeah, I did have a few uh, small presses that were reading the book, but I, I kind of, I, I talked to an old college professor of mine who lives in California, and another pro- uh, professor, who's a friend, of, an editor of mine, uh, based out of New York City, and they were kind of pushing me toward the self-publishing 
um, idea, and I've been fighting it for the last few years, but uh, once I, I got a decline from one of the presses I was really waiting for, I went ahead with CreateSpace, and it's actually turned out to be best for me because I am the type of person, when it comes to creative projects, I really, I, I end up being largely in control anyway. Yeah. And uh, so it, it worked out great. I, I got everything that I, that I wanted out of the process, but it took a lot of prep time and a, and a lot of paying attention to deadlines and, and research. So basically, you set yourself up on a uh, on a schedule as if you were a publisher that was going to publish your work, um, and you just ended up being your own publisher, which is really cool. Yeah, it was uh, start to finish from from I guess the moment I, I realized that I was going to start investigating my options. If this press uh, said no, I think it took me about. Four months. The first two months, I was driving everybody crazy at the house because all I was doing was staying on the computer and anybody <laughs> that walked past me, I was telling them what I newly discovered about something. Right. And uh, I kind of got over that hump. And then when I when I went to Atlanta to spend time with my family, the book was releasing at the same time, so mm-hmm. I managed to get my last bout of of obsession kind of out of the way. So by the time I came back to New Orleans, I was. I was the uh, the Damon that they all kind of recognized prior to the the process starting months earlier. Okay, so what were one of the, what was like one of the aha moments that had you realize other than being turned down by that one small publisher? What was going through? What was your determining factor uh, before that press answered you? Uh, well, I. I guess the more I learned about the, the marketing aspects of the book and the the cost, the initial cost of, of, of getting what I perceive to be a quality product out. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I think I think my aha moment, I suppose, was when I stopped seeing what I was doing from the perspective of a writer because I had finished the book three years ago, mm-hmm. and and I, I think once I I got into that comfortable. Uh, position where I I was prepared to start being more the the business the businessman and 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 the whole tra- okay. transition away from being the creator into the marketer. I think things got a lot a lot more exciting because uh, I think part of why I was so reluctant to get involved in a self publishing field was was I felt like I was going to have to step away from you know that that emotional and psychological connection you have to your work like you just want to create and send away and somebody says oh we love it and <laughs> now we want to produce it for you and that model doesn't exist anymore and you know like I said earlier my book is you know a coming of age literary fiction novel and it's it's not a conventional novel in structure mm-hmm. and my characters are not conventional and they don't discuss things that most people discuss in, uh, in modern literature which mm-hmm. does create uniqueness that I think is is nice, but at the same time, it's it's I I understand that it's going to be a risk for someone at, at a publishing company to pick up a debut novelist who's who's not writing something they can slam dunk. Right, you didn't fit the formula, so right, and I, I've never fit the formula. So <laughs> I don't know why it took me so long to get to the point where I, I produced it myself. But uh, at the end of the day, I I wanted people. I didn't want to dazzle somebody with, you know, a pretty cover mm-hmm. or a, some stellar write-up on the back. I wanted it to be an accessible book mm-hmm. that tells you exactly what you're getting and, mm-hmm. 
and, you know, it does matter to me that somebody is going to spend, you know, fourteen ninety nine for a paperback or, or even five bucks for the Kindle. Mm-hmm. And I didn't price, price either of them to, or, or actually Nook or iBook either. It's, it's all $5 across board, but I didn't want anybody to, to feel like they were spending money on something that they ultimately regretted purchasing. I want this to be something they connect with. Right. So um, that, that was first and foremost my concern and, and still is. So, you know, when I get positive reviews, uh, I, you know, I'm happy, you know, that's, that's nice that people are responding well to it, but, um, but I, 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 I can't put a lot of emphasis on, on, on those, just like, you know, sometimes people aren't going to respond well to it and they, they might have a negative reaction to it. Right. Um, you know, I, 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 the reviews don't matter to me as much as, you know, people's actual experience of it. Um, exactly. No, totally, because um, it's the same thing with me. There, are, um, Daniel has, uh, my son has a couple of books that are, people are either going to hate him or love him. And what you as a writer want to do is evoke an emotion. You know, if they're just like, eh, when they're done reading it, you didn't do your job. But if they're, oh my God, this is a great book, or oh my God, I hated this. You know, you've evoked an emotion in them, and that was your point. And even the people who didn't like it took something away from it if they dislike it that much. <laughs> no, that's, that's absolutely true. And you, you think about these bestsellers that, you know, what you see on their book is there's a million copies in print. Well, the book's probably been out 20 or 30 years, and yep. if, a million, if a million copies sold, you know, there could have been 5 million people that came across the book and absolutely hated it and threw it yep. across the room. So I mean, it's that is the gamble you take when you make yourself a public figure, and and you know I I recently read on somebody somebody mentioned something that I, I was discussing with another writer on Goodreads, and she said she was feeling a little depressed because she had overlooked a lot of stuff in her manuscripts, and um, she got friends to help edit it, and then she published it, and then it just got chewed to pieces, mm-hmm. and and it's it's just going to happen. I mean, I've had. I've had really good reviews of the book, and I've, I've had one negative. And the one negative that I did have was horrible. It was absolutely scathing, but it was the the reviewer just didn't see what I was trying to do with the book. And right. I what what I saw as a misinterpretation was you know they they interpreted it their way and then tore it up for that misinterpretation. Mm-hmm. And um and it turned out to be a really great thing because it, it kind of forced me into a different type of dialogue about about what the work means itself. So, you know, a negative review is is not a bad thing at all. It, you know, it's your reaction to it is probably the worst part. Right. If it helps you to either redefine or it helps you to understand that they got the point but they didn't like the point, you know, those are, those are all things you can take away. And, you know, everybody knows that not... I mean, right now the hot thing is Fifty Shades of Grey. I won't touch it. I I won't look. Yeah, I, yeah. I there's stuff in it that I'm just not interested in, and right, it's not right. that it's an explicit novel, but it's that it's it's in the wrong way, you know. Uh, but I mean, yeah, and, you know, and I'm, yeah, I'm excited that you know there's a huge conversation in the country about a book rather than yep. you know celebrity gossip or something. But yep. it's not the type of writing for me. At the end of the day, you know, you can 
I mean, like, take Lolita by Nabokov. That's about, you know, this man who had this, what we perceive to be an incredibly unhealthy relationship and yep. and lusting after this young woman, but he did it so beautifully yep. that it's believable and accessible. So, um, you know, it's just uh, the type of writing in, in that type of book just that you mentioned is just not something that appeals to me. So right. you never know what's going to be popular. Yeah. J.K. Rowling didn't know that Harry Potter was going to blow up. <laughs> you know, yeah. I mean, she wrote a nice <laughs> novel. She wrote a nice novel and, you know, she had a series in her head as an idea and she didn't know that, you know, all of a sudden her characters were going to become worldwide heroes and, yeah. you know, it's just, and it's a... You want to talk about sacrifice, too. She definitely, yep. she struggled to be able to, you know, take care of her own, her own family and, and yep. still produce that. So, I mean... You know, you do have those stories out there that are incredibly motiv- motivational. You know? Yeah, nobody told Stephen King that this is what you should write. <laughs> right, right. You, you know, know what came out of it? A lot of people that publish their own books too. You know, their first ones. Uh, I'm not comparing myself to John Grisham, but yeah. you know, he sold millions and millions of copies, and I think A Time to Kill was his first, and he published that himself. Yeah. So it's just, you know, the publishing world can be incredibly unforgiving, but. And I was telling somebody just recently, at some point, you know, if you do put your work out there and it appeals to enough people, then somebody in the industry will say, okay, well, maybe maybe this is a trend. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a sign that something is changing in literature or this type of writing is, is, uh, is becoming popular. You know, a little credence, yeah. Yeah. Well, and a lot of that, uh, a lot of it too, is accessibility. Like um, your your book is in print, and or your book is in your book is in print at Create Space. Do you have it available on the Kindle? Yeah, yeah, it's available uh, with uh, Nook, Kindle, Apple iBookstore, Kobo, and okay. the Diesel Bookstore. And it's still waiting to be put on the uh, Sony eBook site as well. Okay, cool. So. Um, because I, I have a little story about um, a friend of mine that he published a book of uh, classic car photos on uh, on the Kindle, and he has a whole website, you know, that this is associated with. You know, the website's been established for a long time, and the website has an older re- readership, and people would email him and say, you know, I would buy your book if it was in print, but I don't know what a Kindle is. And yeah. he put the book up on CreateSpace. Uh, we got the proof. We approved it. And it went live. And he sent out a newsletter. And it immediately started selling. Because he had a built-in audience. And he yeah. knew how they wanted to consume their material. So I'm thinking that... Uh, Authors that are limiting themselves to either print or ebook and saying, I'll never do the other, um, they need to take a step back and see that they need to make their book available in whatever uh, version the consumers want to consume it in. Yeah, yeah, I think it's incredibly unfair to limit somebody's options when, when they're interested in what you're doing. But, uh, you know, their resources might be different from yours. Um, you know, I actually, I was planning on doing the, uh, the e-books, right around, like starting that, I, I think, right around the same time as the print. And I talked to a friend of mine who's a musician in California. Mm-hmm. And, and 
just from one conversation with him, I decided to go ahead and start the ebooks first, mm-hmm. um, just because the print was taking um, was naturally going to take a little bit longer to to release. Right. And, and that that just became a timing issue in that regard. Uh, but yeah, you, you you want people to 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 have access to your work, not because it's necessarily about money. Well, for me, it's not. I I really think it's an important story. And my sister actually, she's she in real estate in Atlanta, and she uh, she's a very business minded woman. And she said, well, well, why are you just why are you making your ebook only four ninety nine? I don't want you to sell yourself short. <laughs> I said, well, I I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to make it ninety nine cents because then people right. are going to read it because it's cheap, and I'm not going to make it twelve ninety nine because. I don't want you know. I'm not going to charge somebody for a, a, a you know 13 bucks for a download. I want right. it to be something that's reasonable. So you have to pay attention to all that. But uh, the guy you mentioned was pretty pretty fortunate because he had that built-in market with mm-hmm. with those with the cars. A lot of a lot of authors can't say they've got that to look forward to before they produce a book. Now here's a question that I've been asking a lot of authors: Did you build a platform, an online platform for your book before you released it, or are you? Are you backpedaling and doing that now, or well, because you said the book was finished three years ago, so right. while you were going through the process of getting it published, self-published, did you start building an online platform, or did you have to wait until everything was in place first? Uh, I kind of I waited until I got a better view of, of the timing for everything to start coming out. Uh, okay. So I think about a month prior to, uh, I mean, I had never even joined Facebook because I just, I never really liked being that connected mm-hmm. um, with people. And as the book was starting to come out, I, you know, I joined Goodreads and I joined Facebook and, and then I started up a dialogue about it. But uh, I, I, I know a lot of, I've lived all over the country, so I have friends in every corner of of America and mm-hmm. and I kind of knew once I connected those dots and everything that that the dialogue would start up. the The big leap for me was actually starting the blog and and kind of learning what kind of content to put on there and mm-hmm. and uh, because I don't like I, I know there is an I know there's a a necessary element to promoting your own work, but I didn't want to have just a website that that pushes my book out in front of people. I wanted okay. it to serve another purpose, so I kind of started my blog reaching out to the to developing writers and kind of have a page for the for the book itself too. I didn't I didn't want to try to sell books from my website and do all that. I I'm I'm not that interested in myself. No, um, I hear you. And that's so. that's where this uh podcast grew out of. Um you know, I've got 25 books over on the Kindle and about half of them are available in print and I my point, yeah, I like selling books, but my point is that other people can do this too. And yeah. they just need to learn how and they need to get over the hurdles. And by doing interviews with folks like you that that did all the hard work and your challenge was that you started, you finished the book three years ago. And in the last year and a half is when all of the let's just say that's when everything hit the fan, you know? So three years ago, you still wanted to be traditionally published because that was the only viable option in your eyes. And as the ebook world came up, you know, at first all ebooks were scammy. They were garbage. They were crappy. 
you know, right. and then all of a sudden the bigger authors caught on or, Am- you know, Amazon and, and Sony and, uh, pardon me, the um, Nook, they all, you know, Barnes & Noble, they all decided that, oh, well, make my work available on there if all it takes is a little reformatting. I mean, it's a novel after all. It isn't going to, you're just reading it without paper. And then the yeah. whole green thing, you know, oh, let's not waste a lot of paper on books. And and then people realize that, you know, the portability, oh, I can take my entire library with me to the beach or the doctor's office and I don't have to worry about, you know, taking my whole big book here just to read the last chapter while I'm at the doctor's office and now I still have to lug it around and take it home and you know and then on the other side of the coin when you have the book available in both formats if someone reads a book and they like it enough that they want to buy it to have it around they have that option and they can so yeah you know there's a lot of people that when I released my ebooks they were like but I want real print books and I said well I haven't gotten there yet and it only took me a couple months to figure out the the whole create space thing with the I, I being a photographer, my books were going to be mostly photographs, and color used to cost a lot to print. You know, so yeah, yeah I, there's a higher cost there for sure. Yeah, so I mean, you can get it as an ebook for five ninety nine, or you can pay twenty bucks for a print book. And you know, Amazon allows you to show both versions on one page. So um, when the print book started selling, I'm actually kind of hoping it was people that read it as an ebook first. And then they decided they wanted the print copy. (laughs) So, because they loved it so much. But, you know, we don't get to see into the... That's the only problem is we don't get to see who our customers are. Um, That's that's the one downside of it. But that's with any publishing across the board. So... Yeah, that's that's something that's that's very important to me to maintain as long as I can. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping I can always be accessible to people that want to send me emails or comments uh, through the blog mm-hmm. um, because I, I, you know, there were plenty of times when I was in graduate school where I, and, and friends of mine as well, we would, you know, try to contact other professors who, you know, at, at colleges who had written books that we loved and, and other writers, and there was just this, this wall between you and the artists that you love, and I understand yeah. that at some point they have to cut you off because they... Need you know, time. Kind of hire somebody to, to answer all these emails, and but um, I I really do want to participate in, in the community as much as I can. So I my blog kind of does that too. I, I want to hear about other people's projects and the things they're trying to do, um, and if I can use my book as as you know largely the machine that kind of makes that happen, then I'm, I'm happy that my book serves more than just the one purpose. Yeah, that's awesome. Your book will help start the conversation for other people to talk about what they've been dreaming about or wanting to do. I'm noticing a lot more of my friends are registering domains that are that I can tell are going to be for books in the future. So um, I'm, I'm mostly in the internet marketing business, and that's my so-called day job. Um, and a lot of those folks, you know... They, they'll come up to me and say, yeah, I want to write the great American novel. And I'm like, you? Really? <laughs> yeah, I would love like, to know what that is these days, you know. <laughs> yeah. Whatever that means. 
Well, and like some friends of ours have published some books that are compilations of um, articles that have been written through the years for an industry magazine or that have put together cookbooks or have put together some uh, interesting other books about success stories and not necessarily within our industry specifically, but in general. And I think that um, I think that the, there's one needed for authors because in the past there's so much I don't want to there's been so much control from the top you know like mm-hmm. one of my friends has been traditionally published and self-published is like I'll never be traditionally published again he said they, yeah I've heard a lot of that also they're like they didn't let me title the book I wanted the way I wanted it to I didn't like the book cover they chose I didn't like the way they edited it you know and then the distribution that you thought was going to happen you know they said oh we'll put it in all the bookstores they put one copy in like every other store and you know, it was really yeah, dis- well, I mean, when they when they do all that. Um, I know it's it's from their marketing perspective, but they're they're redefining you as an author yeah. as a product that you can you cannot be. So I mean, yeah. if you try to step into the role of being that that type of image mm-hmm. that they're they're presenting for you, can't do it. It's got to be yours, you know. And that's yeah. that's why I think the smaller presses um, do really really good work still. Mm-hmm. Um, so and that's why I started small. Uh, when I sent out some, um, some query letters and, and a couple of manuscript samples, I didn't. I wanted to have an intimate relationship with my editor, with my publisher, and um, and yeah, yeah. That's the, the whole issue of control is something that that um, used to frustrate me and kind of turned me off from put, putting out a book that I think is is really important to the American conversation right now about people right. trying to identify themselves um, and the. the the, the type of work they're doing and the type of person they're trying to develop as mm-hmm. in a world that's kind of seemingly indifferent to to them and um, but yeah I mean I, I I thought this book was important three three and a half years ago and it took me this long to get to the point to to where I publish it because of exactly what you're you're talking about yep and now if you write a you know when you write your next book you'll be able to publish it as quickly as you want to you're not waiting on someone else's timeline uh, yeah and yeah and you, I'm, I'm about halfway done with with uh, I think I'm at the halfway mark of of the one I'm I'm writing now that's based here in New Orleans and mm-hmm. I don't see that you know really I'm not hurrying to finish the draft so if it takes you know a year or so for it to get to where I want to I want to produce it I'll have had time to kind of talk about Awaken the Mad World and, and kind of have a readership. So I think it does get easier over time. You just can't stop. You know, you can't get disheartened and then just quit after a, after a first attempt. Yeah. And the only other thing that people really need to realize about traditional publishing versus indie publishing is that they think that the publishing house is going to do a lot of marketing for them. And, um, yeah, they do so little. Yeah, they even a small press can only do so much. And mm, I think they do enough to kind of justify having published the book, and then right. you're on on your own. But they don't really tell you that you're on your own part. They just no. Kind of, uh, <laughs> all of a sudden, of all of a sudden, they just stop taking your phone calls, and you know, you're like, okay, what did we sell? And they're like, yeah, we're done. Yeah, we're on to the next project. So at least yeah, in this way, thing. if you have to market yourself anyway. Um, 
and again, you know, it's kind of like reinventing an industry and in inventing new jobs. There are a lot of now independent editors, you know, instead of an editor working for a, a publishing house, editors can, you know, find people that they want to work with, um, that they're a good fit for. And, you know, they don't have to worry about making uh, books fit a certain formula or be dictated to about how they have to edit a specific book. Instead, it's you working with an editor and molding the book together. And, you know, so there's a whole new, um, a whole new industry that is providing all new jobs, especially for like uh, people that want to work from home. You know, you can yeah. be an editor. You you doesn't matter where you are. You just need a computer. You know, you don't even yeah. need internet when you're editing. So, um, and then there are people that can design awesome book covers that you know would never get inside the door of a publishing house. And there's a lot more creativity and a lot more freedom because uh, the gatekeepers aren't in charge anymore. Yeah. So, all right. Yeah, that's really interesting. I, I, I think, uh, I think the whole publishing industry, as as we once knew it, has just kind of allowed itself to be squeezed by all this technology, and you know they're kind of hanging on to what they know to work, just mm-hmm. to kind of stay relevant. But a lot of the companies are doing really smart stuff too. You know, they're kind of they're diversifying, and you know, agents are acting as publishers also, and right. You know, you know they're. I, I, I think it's still pretty cutthroat, you know, it mm-hmm. kind of has to be because it's so competitive, but that's why, you know, you have, you know, people like me that are relatively unknown and uh, have what I think to be a pr- uh, pretty big voice um, mm-hmm. that developing, you know, we, we all have a shot, you know, we just have to kind of stick with it and keep having these types of conversations. Yep, exactly. You know, I mean, again, to go back to J.K. Rowling, she didn't know she was going to be rich and famous. She just wrote a book. <laughs> and she really yeah. believed in the book. And, right. you know, she, she, it's, and when you think about it, you know, a lot of people get caught up in the, oh, it's too late. I can't make any money doing this. You know, I mean, just look at the people that were not famous five years ago. You know, whether yeah. whether it's musicians or whether it's, you know, a young musician, an old musician, whether it's a writer. You know, Judith Krantz didn't start writing until she was 55. And, you know, her books were spectacular. And, yeah. you know, it's just you do it when you can do it. And now um, I've been talking to a lot of authors that their book is based on something contemporary, you know, a contemporary yeah. conversation. And if they waited for a year for a publishing house to get through their process, it might not be relevant anymore. Yeah, and that was that was part of the you know that was much of the impetus for me to to start putting uh, to putting myself in gear and doing that. Uh, that's exactly why I kind of started hurrying and. Yeah, that that's that's something I actually wrote about on my blog. It's just relevance in general. Um, and and I think to kind of touch on something else you just said when 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 you were talking about people kind of throwing in a towel on it, there is a real difference between knowing it's going to be a struggle and actually experiencing the struggle. The struggle is as unpleasant as people tell you it is. The frustration <laughs> is very real, but when you're actually experiencing it, 
you know, it's like when, uh, like for, for, for New Orleans, uh, as an example, when people say, oh, come down here in the summer, it's, it's really, really uncomfortably hot. People are like, oh, I'm used to it being hot. And then you come down here and then you complain about the heat. Yeah. You know, it's as hot as we tell you it's going to be in the summer, you know, and it's, yeah. it's the same thing with, with the publishing industry. You, you have, you know, you have to know that it's going to be frustrating. Um, but that, that's not something that should deter you. I mean, I have a friend who's actually going to be on a big uh, television show, actually has been on, and is continuing to move forward with this co- it's a competition. And, and he knows that it's, it's frustrating and they try to stress you out. The production team is, is trying to force you to have some sort of outburst so they can get some good you know, video of right. somebody's meltdown on camera. And I think that's a real strength is when you know something's going to be tough, then you're prepared for it. You can't accurately predict the, the brand of toughness and, and adversity, but it's, you know it's going to be tough, so, so you really don't have a reason to quit unless, unless you just get scared or you stop having faith in yourself. You know? I just realized it's like having your first baby. <laughs> you know at the end it's going to be really hard, but you don't know what it's going to be like until you go through it and you can't explain it to your partner or you know your husband or whatever. And then, yeah. but in the end, you have a beautiful bundle that, you know, then you nourish and you grow and, and all that. Absolutely. So. Yeah. You can read all the books you want, but what, you know, once you have the baby, you know, things still change. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it's something that has to be nurtured and cultivated after you have it too. Yeah. yeah. That's a completely applicable metaphor. Yeah. Um, all right. So if, if uh, we had someone who was just right starting out, which a lot of our listeners are, what would be the the one thing you would tell them um, along their along their journey? Hmm. Uh, well, I know a lot of people say write and read as much as possible. So, with that as an, an apparent foundation, okay. Um, I would. I honestly do. I firmly believe that if you are kind and you dream big, mm-hmm. then you will accomplish more than you ever expected otherwise. I think if you're, if you're kind to everyone involved in the process of, I mean, you know, you know not, not being nice to people hoping that you're going to get some, you know, positive result. Right. Um, you know, make courage a generosity from them. Um, but just, I, I think you grow, when you grow as a person, your work grows too. Mm-hmm. Because you're allowing yourself to take in more stuff that you're not closing yourself off from. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that also includes, you know, not thinking that you, you have a set way of doing things that things that's going to work forever. You know, my, my process changes and sometimes it takes me a while to notice that how I write and when I want to work changes. But, um, you know, it just, you, you just don't know any of it. But the one thing you can count on is if you are kind to people and you have the right goals and the right dreams, then you are going to accomplish more. You will grow as a person, and you will grow as an artist. So, so that's that's really my 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 honest take on it. I love it. That was absolutely perfect. Um, and with that, we're just about out of time. I have thoroughly enjoyed talking to you, and hopefully we can get you on another podcast later on down the line and maybe cover a specific topic um, that you'd like to talk about. Uh, 
in the future directly to aspiring authors or established ones that are frustrated. <laughs> sure. Uh, There's always always room for that kind of help, for sure. Well, yeah. And again, you know, like I've said, the reason I like to do podcasts is because it's the back and forth that brings out ideas and conversation. It's not a one-way conversation. Um, It's it's a two-way or more conversation that that really gets into people's heads and make them think. Um, Why don't you let people know where they can find you on the Internet? A lot of our people listen via podcatchers, and they they may not go to the show show notes. So if we can give them some places they can find you, that would be great. Uh, Sure, yeah. uh, Again, the name of the novel is Awake in the Mad World. And uh, you could Google that, and I'm I'm sure my my blog would pop up as a link. But uh, if if not, uh, you could also go to... My blog, which is my full name, Damon Farrell Marbot, and it's D A M O N Farrell, as in Will Farrell, F E R R E L L. Last name is Marbot, M A R B U T. So it's DamonFarrellMarbot.com, or just Google Awake in the Mad World. And I'm incredibly accessible through uh, my blog. You can just post comments or email me through. Through, uh, I, I think it's listed on the bio page and probably another another page on there too. Okay. And I also do book reviews from the uh, from the blog. So if you wanted to send a request, I've got details on what type of stuff that I look for uh, for a review. Okay, so awesome. use me as a resource. Yeah, awesome. Um, and as always, uh, our listeners can find us at bookgoodies.com where you can find this podcast and, you know, get the links that you can just click on. And also you can leave comments on the blog if you'd like. And you can find us at twitter.com slash bookgoodies, uh, facebook.com slash bookgoodies, and you can find me personally at twitter.com slash loxley l-o-x-l-y and we do have a contact form on book goodies if you want to be on one of our podcasts or if you want to submit your book information to be listed on our website it's completely free and uh, I want to thank everybody for listening and I want to thank geekcast.fm for hosting our podcasts and many other podcasts on internet marketing and Um, just marketing in general. So uh, thanks everyone for listening. Everybody take out your pen and get writing and have a great day.